0: I miss being a child, especially in, in these days. I, I was wondering yesterday when my daughter asked me if I were, was depressed, and I wasn't sure. I'm sure it looks like it, and it may be. But I know I'm kind of sad. And when I was really little, just really little, I don't remember being sad that much. I miss being a child. I miss playing. I was really good at playing. I I was never mediocre at playing. I never evaluated my playing. I was just good at it. I could go and play. I didn't have really much care in the world. I remember you know that that question you get asked and you think about what will you what will you be when you grow up and i i a fireman or a soldier I remember I wanted to be an actor I saw those people on TV and always 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 when I imagined who I would be i I knew I would be successful. I never once imagined that I would not be good at something. As a child, it seemed to me that in this weird way, the world sort of existed for me. This is a weird confession. And if you're a psychiatrist, feel free to step in. This may be over the line, but... I distinctly remember standing on my porch looking out at my front yard in my neighborhood and I I remember like like yesterday I had this thought I wonder if I'm the only one and when I'm not with people if they actually exist if they only exist when they're in my presence because what if the whole world was really just for me I miss kind of being a kid. I'm going to be reading from what is I suppose the most famous chapter in the Bible. Maybe not the most famous verse in the Bible, but I'm pretty confident it's the most famous chapter. It's read maybe next to Psalm 23, the most in public or by people who maybe have no faith at all. It's the one that begins, you know, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. But I noticed something I had never noticed before. I had read it, like everybody, hundreds of times. I'm sure it had even come up in sermons I've given, but I never about in the middle of this very famous chapter are these words. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. If I could speak in the tongues of men and of angels, I would be famous. If I could prove how smart I was by being able to speak in any language that another person had, can you imagine how popular I would be? I I can't, I can't help but imagine the notoriety I might have. And imagine if not only could I speak any other human's language, but if I could know what it sounded like and what the language of angels was like, I could know, I mean I could know for sure that I was on God's team, that I was spiritual, I could know for sure. Can you imagine what it would be like if everybody in the world knew how smart I was and how spiritual I was? Can you imagine the things that I could do for God? Can you imagine with that platform, with the television trucks lined up the street to interview me, can you imagine with that kind of notoriety what great things I could do for God? In addition to that, what if I had prophetic power, and I could understand all mysteries, all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains. Can you imagine the people who would flock to the church I might lead? If as they sat in my audience and under my voice is I explained every question they ever had about God, the Bible. I could never be stumped. Imagine the the size of my church and the influence in the world we would have if with a hundred percent accuracy I could describe for them what's happening next. if I knew exactly who they should vote for. If I knew exactly how all the pieces that seem to not fit at times. Imagine if I could give sermons and every time somebody walked out, there was no question about the truth of what I had just said. And imagine if my faith would move a mountain. I mean, come on. Imagine if my faith could move an anthill from here to there. Can you imagine what I could do for God if everyone knew? that about me? If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, I wouldn't want to brag, but I'd, you got to admit, I'd kind of make Mother Teresa look a little bit self-centered. Yeah. If I gave up everything, if I became famous for my martyrdom, if I could be known in the world as the one person who absolutely clung to nothing had no possession no desire for possession who had such faith that even giving up my body in a horrible death would be no big deal imagine what I could do for God if I were that person. To build a movement for God, to build his kingdom on earth, will in fact require some very difficult decisions to be made to to build a church that is so so well organized so active so good and so big that nothing could stop it hard decisions would have to be made yes it's true some people will be hurt To be big and powerful and really effective for God, you must be efficient. And honestly, only the best would do. Only those who are truly driven to do great things for God would be able to be part of a team like that. To do great things does not allow for coddling and long conversations and worrying about feelings. Because we would be busy changing the world for God. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. And I thought like a child. And I reasoned like a child. Maybe part of my problem is I haven't grown up. And maybe this idea of adulting is not very appealing. Maybe the way in which I read scripture, the way in which I read current events Maybe I read it like a child. Maybe like a child, I think it really is all about me and my ambition. And as a Christian, even as a Christian, Maybe my desire to do great things for God is thinking like a child. I I know that you have observed that I've left out an important phrase. I've left out a phrase that will never make you famous. I left out a phrase that will never make you powerful. I've left out a phrase that will not build a big church or a big movement. Because, you see, this phrase, this idea of not having love, well, this is what it looks like. And you'll really quickly see why it's not really in anybody's 10-year plan for growth. Because, you see, love is patient and kind. And love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And love bears all things, and love believes all things, and love hopes all things, and love endures all things. How can love ever get anything done if love is not obsessed with doing big things for God? When I was a child, I spoke like a child of big things, of ambitious dreams. I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. I didn't have love. I don't know how far you could get in the Christian world. If you confessed as we begin reading in verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. I don't know how far you could get if you confessed that you're often confused. I don't know how far you could get if you couldn't answer every question. And I know I've observed that if you do not have an air of certainty about you, you'll never be famous, and you may never do great things for God. I wonder if becoming an adult follower of Jesus, is having the faith to do and be insignificant in the eyes of anyone observing you. I wonder if being an adult is to be so foolish with time and resources as to simply care and meet the needs of a person who will never be noticed, who will never be able to help you in return. I wonder if being a grown-up means that I'm willing to, to stop living in a world that is pretend, a world that is under my control, a world that isn't real. I've never been a wealthy person, as it would be described in a, in a an American economy. If I were honest and thought globally, I have been my entire life enormously rich. I've never once been afraid of a policeman. Never once. I've taught my children if they're in danger or scared or lost, find a policeman. I've never once really been hungry because I had no access to food. I, 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 I struggle because I don't believe the answers to the world are rooted in a political movement. But I have to ask myself, if I'm gonna look honestly at the world with love and compassion and a willingness to not prosper at someone else's expense, how did we get here? This makes me know, (laughs) please understand, this does not give me credibility or expertise. But I, I, I went to Ferguson a, five years ago at the death of Michael Brown. If I can be honest, it wasn't because I was personally outraged. And I'm sad about that in a way. But I knew I, knew I had brothers and sisters who were black. And I didn't understand. And I wanted to understand. And I spoke to several there in Ferguson. And without exception, they said to me, I'm afraid. I was was there when I also saw what happens when when a f- when gasoline is poured on a fire of sort of this camaraderie this us and them i saw the uh, the hubris of police coming towards us with shields and guns and i also saw the hubris of a group of people chanting f the police f the police, F the police. My sympathies were with my black brothers and sisters, no doubt, but I was sad when they told me I could not speak to a policeman because they were all enemies. I don't have an answer. When I went for just a a long weekend, to the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation and discovering for the first time that the greatest percentage of, of, of people with alcoholism is this people, that the most isolated people group are indigenous people, and that the death rate is equal to that in the poorest country in our hemisphere, Haiti. I'm not going to ever be famous, most likely, in It's clear that although I confess, I had wanted to always lead a big church. I'm almost 60 and pretty sure there's not a lot of people looking to hire a 60 year old to lead their huge famous church. But I can ask this question, what would love do? And as an adult, I know the answer to that question will be painful. I'm not naive. Love is very painful. And isn't it crazy that it's the only thing that will lead to life, real life? There's a difference in the Bible of being childlike and being childish. To be childlike is to trust without question. To be childlike is is to have in my DNA when I am playing and pretending. It's as if I know somewhere in, in my cells that there was once a place that was perfectly safe and beautiful, and I could fully be me, and I didn't have to pretend to make up a place like that. But to be childish is to believe that if I hoard for myself all fame and fortune, that then I will fully be alive. I know this is a weird kind of message. Maybe it wasn't crafted in the proper way. I'll end with these words. So now faith and hope and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Father, we live in a world that I don't like. And although I'm surrounded by natural beauty and I see glimpses of you and my brothers and sisters, on the whole, I don't like what we've become. I don't like the animosity. I don't like the feeling I get that I can't belong because I see things differently. Lord, I pray for my friends, for me, for us, the sanctuary. That we would be known as the people who gave their lives, and we called that love. That we recreate, as we walk through our neighborhoods, this moment that you modeled for us, this cross, this sacrifice, and this resurrection. Amen.
1: When we come to this table, I think what Scripture is saying, and what we've talked about quite a bit, is that we're coming back to the garden, and I think we were children in the garden, and there was something we didn't know as little children, and that was love, didn't know what love was. So we come back to the garden, and there's the, the tree, and the table, that's like the Ark of the Covenant, and all these pictures come crashing together, and John says this, in, in this is love. You want to know what love is? In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son. And people understand this in some really bizarre ways. But what John says as as a propitiation for our sin, our sin is not loving. A propitiation is this weird word in Greek that nobody knows quite how to translate because it refers to that thing that was on top of the ark, on the mercy seat. In other words, love is that thing. And in the Revelation, you see a slaughtered lamb standing. Uh, in the ancient tipple, they would sprinkle lamb's blood over the law, and uh, that was somehow a picture of mercy. In other words, it's not something that you can just wrap up in some little book and then follow the instruction manual. God is love, and God is revealed in Jesus the Christ. And so coming back to the garden, having learned that, wow, in this world, love is painful, And yet love conquers. So like Carl just said, love bears all things. Love believes all things. Bears all things, believes all things, endures all things. What was the other one? Hopes all things. (laughs) Wow! Sounds like love does everything. Sounds like love is the creator, right? And so Jesus, meaning God saves, took bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. We took it, and now he gives it. This cup is the covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. And who was sitting at that table? Peter. Peter. Judas, bunch of failures. So how do we love? And this is love. We don't make love. Love makes us. So we come back to the garden as adults who then can live like children because they trust their father who is good. When you come to the table, and you'll go down to these tables here and take it back, by doing this, you're confessing, God, I haven't loved. But you are love. Now come and love through me. I lay my ego down, my life down, and I ask you to live your life in me. Amen.
0: Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Amen. Thank you.